as one person, you're safe in surrendering completely to him. Let's talk to him. Oh, God, we've been in worship. Our hearts have been lifted up to your throne room. We've listened. We've responded. And we're so blessed to be here. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Right now, may Jesus be front and center. Do whatever you want to do with the few moments we have left. Make it clear. That's all we're asking. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm really jazzed about what we're going to share right now. I don't think a lot of deep thoughts as a human being. I have friends who are very deep thinkers, and I'm always very jealous of them. I don't have that, uh, that gift. But I have been pondering. If you could take all the truth in the universe, reduce it to one simple sentence, what would it be? Now, I have a lot of friends who are scientists, and God bless the scientists among us, and a bunch of you are science majors. And, you know, scientists kind of keep goading each other on. Come on. They're looking for what they call the theory of everything. You've heard about it. From quasars and spiraling galaxies to amoeba. Is there one organizing principle that becomes the theory to explain it all? I'm not interested in the theory of everything. I'm looking for one sentence to summarize all revealed truth in the universe. I think I found it. You're not going to believe where it came from. A literary critic and novelist, writer, named Reynolds Price. He says, whenever a person is hungry for a story, what the human wants most from this story is this line. I want to share it with you right now. Let me put it on the screen. Reynolds Price, in the clearest voice we have, okay, this is as clear, he says, as we can do it. In the clearest voice we have, the sentence that mankind craves from stories. When you pick up a storybook, you want this. Subliminally, you're seeking it. What's that sentence, Price? He puts it right here. The maker of all things loves and wants me. He's thinking this is why people go to books. And I'm wondering, could this be the simple sentence that summarizes all universal truth in one line? Read it again. The maker of all things loves and wants me. Now, he goes on. No other book our culture owns. He's talking about this book right here. No other book our culture owns can we see a clearer graph of that need, that enormous radiant arc overall. What's the story of the book? He summarizes it. Fragile creatures made by God's hand, hurled into space, then caught at last by a man in some ways like ourselves. He's talking about Jesus. Could that be the sentence? The maker of all things loves and wants me? The truth of the matter is, 
Here's my, here's, here's, here's my observation. The reason you and I don't communicate what we believe to other people basically is we have overcomplicated what we believe, and it's just too hard to share. I mean, don't ask me what I believe, please. Could it be that the summation of everything we believe, everything you're taught in this university, the universal truth, can, could it be reduced to a default, a default sentence? And this would be the default sentence. The maker of all things loves and wants me. Somebody yells out there, yo, what do you believe? Default. The maker of all things loves and wants me. Yeah, but come on, man. What do you think is the philosophy of life? The maker of all things loves and wants me. Yeah, but what about, what about my life? The maker of all things loves and wants you. Can you believe this old book? What do you suppose the bottom line is to this dusty, archaic bit of literature? The maker of all things loves and wants me. Too simplistic? Too simple? There is one book in that old book that radiates from beginning to end with that line, I happen to believe. And I'm going to share with you now six storylines from that book. Check them out. Six of them. And the book is the Gospel of John. And because we're only going to be in the Gospel of John for the few minutes we have left, you might as well just open your Bible to John. Let's start in the beginning. John chapter 1. John 1. Leo just read these words a moment ago. Drop down to verse 14. All right? John 1. The the story of Christmas in the Gospel of John. You say there's no story of Christmas. Only, only Matthew and Luke have the Christmas story. Mark left it out. John left it out. John did not leave it out. Here it is. John 1, verse 14. And the Word became flesh. And He made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The great English writer J.B. Phillips, 20th century, told a story once upon a time that began with once upon a time. There was a senior angel who was taking a rookie angel on a tour of the universe. As they roamed through the vast chasms of the cosmos, they made their way to a galaxy of about 500 billion stars. It's called the Milky Way. And as they began to penetrate the Milky Way, the senior angel speaks. Yo, I want you to watch. I want you to keep your eye on that little smudge. He points, let me quote J.B. Phillips here, he points to a small and rather insignificant sphere turning very slowly on its axis. It looked as dull and as as dull as a dirty tennis ball to the little angel whose mind has been filled with the size and the glory of what he's seen elsewhere in this universe. And finally, the rookie angel speaks. Why are you wanting me to watch this dirty tennis ball? The senior angel replies, because, keep your eye on it, it is the visited planet. You can't, you can't be serious. Do you mean, J.B. Phillips writing, do you mean our great and glorious prince went down in person to that fifth-rate little ball? Why should he do a thing like that? The little angel's face wrinkled in disgust. Do you mean to tell me, he goes on, that he stooped so low as to become one of those creeping, crawling creatures of that floating ball? 
Sternly now, the senior angel speaks. I do, and I don't think he would like you to call them creeping, crawling creatures in that tone of voice. For as strange as it may seem to us, he loves them. He went down to visit them, to lift them up, to become like him. Last line of the story. The little angel looked blank. Such a thought was almost beyond his comprehension. Me too. Read it again. John 1.14. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. But why would he do it? Ah, because the maker of all things loves and wants me, loves and wants you. No. Do you know what kind of a risk he took? I've only found one line in literature that I've read that describes that risk. And it can't even define it. But I'll put it on the screen for you. So it's a classic on the life of Jesus called The Desire of Ages. Look at this. The line's coming up here. Yet into the world where Satan, the rebel angel, claimed dominion, God permitted his son to come, a helpless babe subject to the weakness of humanity. He permitted him to meet life's peril in common with every human soul, to fight the battle as every child in this building right now. Every child of humanity must fight it every single day of our lives. He permitted him to come at the, now here's the line, at the risk of failure and eternal loss. We are not, we are not told what that fallout would have been. It's an absolute mystery, but it is clear at the risk of failure and eternal loss, is trying to capture the supposition that had he failed in his mission, this universe would forever have been marked and changed. And then the writer, Ellen White, exclaims, sentence following this, herein, speaking of the incarnation, herein is love. Wonder, O heavens, and be astonished, O earth, that he was willing to risk it all. Eternal failure. Come on, why would he do it? Because the maker of all things loves and wants me. That's why. That's storyline number one. Here comes storyline number two, the secret interview. <laughs> the midnight visitor happens to be a secret admirer of the young teacher. But so radical is this young man that this upstanding member of society cannot risk being seen in public with him. And so he comes under the cover of midnight shadows to interview the upstart. And he begins, oh, teacher, <laughs> we know you are sent from God. For how could anyone do what you do if he were not sent from God? Oh, Nicodemus, blah, 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 blah. You just said nothing but a hot air in the, in, in the ether. You're trying to flatter the man, and he is not flattered. Jesus smiles at him. Teacher of Israel, let me tell you something. Unless you are born again, you are lost. 
And don't you give me any of that blather about I have to crawl back into my mother's room. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Do you remember the time, Moses, those killer adders have penetrated the camp of Israel? They're dying. They're dropping all over the camp. Do you remember when Moses sticks a pole in the middle and upon it a bronze serpent and the order from God was, look at that pole, that serpent. Look, believe, and you'll live. Do you remember that? Of course. I, the Son of Man, am going to be lifted up so that when people look to me, they will look and live and be saved. No. And then come the words. Look, we're right here in John 1, so you just turn the page to John 3, verse 16. Oh, you know this. Everybody knows this. In fact, let's just read this one out loud inside our masks. Let's read it out loud together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The problem is we stop too soon. There's a 17. Oh, don't you ever forget the 17. You've got, you've got 16 memorized. Oh, you're not going to have a hard time memorizing this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I have come to make this a visited planet, not because I wish to condemn the world. I have made this a visited planet because I long to save the entire world. Why would you do that? Because the maker of all things loves and wants me. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, bright young scholars to be. There it is. The summation of all universal truth in that one line. F.F. Bruce, in his wonderful commentary on the fourth gospel, on the gospel of John, he puts it this way. The love of God is limitless. It embraces all mankind. No sacrifice was too great to bring its unmeasured intensity. Oh, I love that. No sacrifice was too great to bring its unmeasured intensity home to men and women. The best that God had to give, he gave his only son, his well-beloved. The profound but abiding truth, the maker of all things, loves and wants me. Storyline number three, the thirsty woman. And the first four words of this storyline are unbelievable. Come on. You're, you're, you're in chapter three. So I don't even have to turn the page because now there's chapter four right there. Chapter four, drop down to verse four. Short little verse. This is all there is to the verse. Now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. Oh, come on. That is not true. He did not have to go through Samaria. Every Jew knows that if you're going north to Galilee, you take a long cut, not a shortcut, a long cut around Samaria, then you get to Galilee. Isn't it amazing? Four words. No, 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 no. He had to go. Why did he have to go? Jews and Samaritans with their hatred party run it at max speed. Why did he have to go? Because in that disenfranchised land, somewhere there, there was a woman 
who cried herself to sleep every night. Beside the snoring man who was her husband de jour, husband of the day, unable to find a love that would love her for who she was. She has nearly given hope, given up hope. Her heart will ever, ever be healed. You may have given up hope yourself. But then one day, at noon of all times, to be alone, she goes to the well, and there is a stranger, <laughs> a Jew, wouldn't you know it, a man at my well. And the stranger, with a smile on his face, watches her approach, and he says, lady, would you mind sharing a drink of water with me? She says, with you, Jew, man? Are your eyes blind? I'm woman. I'm Samaritan. Eyes still warm and friendly peer into her face as the stranger goes on. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. If you knew who you were talking to, you would ask him for the water that will satisfy the thirst that has driven you night and day, and he would give it to you. Oh, I love this. He had to go for one woman. And the rest we know. He became the savior of that Samaritan woman. He became the savior of every man who ever knew her. He eventually became the savior of the entire town. Why? Why did he have to go? Because the maker of all things loves and wants me. That's why. Are you getting a familiar storyline? theme developing out of these? Please. The maker of all things loves and wants me. Four words. He had to go. You know what? Those four words to me are, 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 are the explanation of the mystery we call the incarnation. It's a Latin word that means the enfleshment of God. When he becomes the baby, then he's the Christ child. Then he's the teen Christ with a squeaky voice. Then he becomes a young adult Christ. Then he becomes Christ the Savior. Why did he do it? Because he had to go. Jesus had to come. No long cut around the earth. Straight through this planet. Look at this from Desire of Ages. Jesus did not count. Oh, this is so beautiful. Jesus did not count heaven a place to be desired while you and me, while we were lost. He left the heavenly courts for a life of reproach and insult and a death of shame. He who was rich in heaven's priceless treasure became poor that through his poverty we might be rich. Can I hear an amen to that? Come on, why would he do it? Because the maker of all things loves and wants me. That's why he did it. That is the bottom line. That is the summation of universal truth in one simple sentence. The maker of all things loves and wants me. What do you believe? The maker of all things loves and wants me. How do you know? The maker of all things has loved and wanted me. Where do you get it from? This book. What's its bottom line? The maker of all things loves and wants me. You've got to be kidding me. No. Storyline 
Number four, the sinner by the pool. It was a glorious Sabbath day when Jesus stepped through that crowded poolside, weaving amongst the sufferers, lying on that marble floor, all of them with this desperate hope that some angel will descend from heaven and put his pinky in the water and just stir it up, and the first boy in is healed. He's looking for the worst case. It's the Sabbath. Looking for the worst case, he finally sees him. We are told the man's disease was in a great degree the result of his own sin and was looked upon as a judgment from God. It is left to our imaginations as to what would have caused that disease. But you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure it out. He's been ravished, ravaged because of that sin. Jesus steps over this shriveled invalid so that his shadow blocks the sun. Do you want to get well? The invalid winces. I have no one to help me. Come on, that's John 5. We're just a page away. John 5, drop down to, drop down to verse 8. Then Jesus said to him, I love this. Jesus said to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. And he is so overjoyed, this healed sinner, that he totally forgets to thank Jesus. He didn't even get his name. And Jesus, as quietly as he came, slipped away unseen. Later Sabbath afternoon, they're both at church, and Jesus bumps into the man. The man recognizes Jesus now, and Jesus speaks. Drop, drop down to verse 14. Later, Jesus found him at the temple, and he said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. You see, the maker of all things loves and wants me hardly teaches the notion that because he loves and wants me, my sins are of no account to him or to me. Some people feel that, well, if you embrace this truth, it's just kind of a willy-nilly spineless gospel. No. The maker of all things looks into your heart, looks into mine, and says, no, not at all. You have got to quit playing games with what you know is sin. Stop it. Stop sinning. Of course the maker of all things loves and wants me. Stop sinning. That's precisely why I'm asking you to stop. Because I love you and you will kill yourself in the end. Stop it. Whew. The maker of all things loves and wants me, which happens to be the bottom line of the very next storyline. This is storyline number five, the sins on the floor. It was a terribly embarrassing ordeal. 
The church board, the entire church board shows up to make sure this young adult gets the punishment she deserves. And so they drag the woman, they push her toward the young teacher, and they say, guess where we just found her? Sleeping with a man who is not her husband. The law says stone her. So what say you? Jesus doesn't speak. The girl has hardly had time to dress. The straps are still off her shoulders. She's sobbing. Because not only is she appearing before the church board, this is early service. The preacher was about to begin, and the whole congregation is gaping at her now. What will the young teacher say? The maker of all things loves and wants me means that Jesus must not only show love to the young adult woman, he must show love to the accusing church board. How are you going to do that? And so, Mount Sinai's lawgiver, who with his own finger etched into granite the very sins and commandments this young woman has already broken, stoops down. And with his finger in the dust of the temple floor, he begins to carve the secret sins of every member of the church board. And then he stands up. All right? Okay. The one without sin, you throw the first stone. Nobody moves. We'll pick up the story right here in John 8. Let's turn a couple pages over to John 8. Here's what happens next. And at this, throw the first stone. At this, those who had heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with a woman still standing there. Jesus straightens up, and he asks her, woman, Where are they? Has no one condemned you? Through tear-blurred eyes, she looks around. Her mascara smeared, trickles down her rouge. No one, my Lord. Well, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin Leave it behind. There it is again. The maker of all things loves and wants me. I tell you what, you can choose any story you wish from the Gospel of John. You pick any story. Bring it to me afterwards if you find an exception. Every single story reaffirms and ratifies this universal truth. The maker of all things loves and wants me. In fact, Jesus has just proven it true. Those words from that midnight interview, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Neither do I condemn you. Now go leave, 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 leave that. Leave that behind. It's because he loves you and me. He says, leave it behind. I love you. I want you. And by the way, 
the accusers? Oh, his heart is aching for them. He loves and wants them. So he has written their sins in the dust of the floor so that the first morning breeze will simply erase the record and nobody will know save the ones who saw him write their sin. The maker of all things loves and wants me. Storylines from the Gospel of John proving that, in fact, it is indeed true. Our last storyline, at the cross. Very interesting about the cross in John. It's a marvelous chapter to read. Just sit down this afternoon and read just John 19. It's just profound. But John inserts into his story of Calvary three details the synoptics totally omitted. Either they didn't know, either they were blocked from knowing, either they forgot. It doesn't matter. Oh, yes, John's gospel is very clear. The brutal, bloody scourging has already taken place. Jesus is bleeding as he's pinned to that middle cross. Yes, just like the synoptics John agrees he is, he is in the middle of two condemned criminals. They're being executed on the same day together. But then John adds a detail that matters. You see, all the Gospels agree that there's a sign that's placed over Jesus' head. And the sign reads, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. But in the Gospel of John... John Boy goes further, and he says, Pilate inked that sign in three languages, the three languages of the Roman Empire, Aramaic, Greek, and Latin. John's quiet, unsubtle way of making sure we know that this truth, the maker of all things, loves and wants me, is a universal truth. It does does not belong to a private people. It does not belong to a faith community. It is the truth of the universe for the human race. The maker of all things loves and wants me. Three details in the Gospel of John that the others didn't get. Detail number two, amazing. John wants to make sure that we know the man on the center cross happens to be the maker of all things. And that's why this Jesus... And, of course, from the synoptics, we know he's son of God. Yes, yes, and he's son of man. But only John pulls the veil aside so that in Jesus' death cry, there is a link to the maker of all things. i got to show this to you. So come on, John 19. you got a few pages to turn to get to John 19. That's all right. Find, Find John 19. This is the crucifixion chapter. Verse John 19, verse 30. And when Jesus had received the drink, his mouth is as dry as if a thousand Roman legionnaires had marched across his tongue barefoot. He cannot move. It is just stuck. He has begged. Is there anybody that has a drink? The stranger by the well of Samaria once again has to ask, does somebody have something for me? drink. When he had received the drink, some Roman had pity on him. Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, look, it was the day of preparation. We know it is Good Friday. 
It's the day before the seventh day. It was a day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Wow. The one who finished his work on the sixth day of the creation week and then rested is the same one who finished his work on the sixth day of the Passion Week and then rested. Same one. The one who cries out, it is finished when creation is over, is the same one who cries out, it is finished when redemption is complete. It is finished. And by the way, don't miss this moment that you've just been exposed to. The word is finished. It is not partially finished. It is not dominantly finished. It is totally finished. The Greek is clear. Finished. So that when anybody, that rebel angel, comes your way and whispers, you know what, boy? You can't be forgiven. Yeah, after what you did, please, girl. You're, you're asking him to forgive you? <laughs> you got to be crazy. It's too late. No, 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 no. It is not too late. 2,000 years ago, the maker of all things who died on that center cross said, it's finished. This will be truth forever and ever now. The maker of all things loves and wants me. It is truth forever. Don't you ever let that rebel angel fool you. You can have salvation just like that for the asking. He's ready for you. He's ready to go. Oh, but you see, there are three exceptions that the Gospel of John details that the others missed. Here's the third one. And I think it may be the most precious of all. Watch this. A few verses before Jesus dies, if you go a little higher, you get to verse 26. And only John records this detail. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved, oh, the, the maker of all things, loves and wants me. You can't get away from it. John Boy knew that truth from the moment he met Jesus. And for the rest of his life, he will champion that truth till he dies of old age. When Jesus saw the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, he could not point. His hands are nailed. He can only move his chin. And he speaks to his beloved mother, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus can barely eke the words out. John, my mother is your mother. Do you understand? But what's so beautiful to me is that Mary Magdalene is standing there watching all this, and on Sunday morning, Jesus will say to Mary Magdalene, girl, go back to the disciples and tell them, my father is your father. Isn't that amazing? Before he dies, my mother is your mother. After he's resurrected, my father is your father. I am all of that to you, and I am more. Desire of Ages captures this profound assurance in this one line, and I hope you never forget and jot that page number down, 327. Closer than father, mother, brother, friend, or lover is the Lord our Savior. 
Can I get an amen to that? Closer than your father. Closer than your mother. Closer than your brother or sister. Closer than your friend. Closer than your lover. Is the Lord your Savior. For the maker of all things. Loves and wants me. And there's nobody closer in this universe to you right now than the Lord Jesus himself. You got to believe me. You just have to believe. He's the closest friend you have. And he'll never quit on you. He will never quit on you. Why? Because the maker of all things loves and wants me. That's why. I'm closer to you, Dwight, than all of them. All of them. You were like this forever. Stay with me. Which is why Jesus said to us last week in our theme text for this short little winter series, John 21, John 2021 matches the year that we're in now, 2021. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Yeah, but Lord, what am I supposed to take? When you send me, what's the message I'm supposed to give? Come on the maker of all things loves and wants me, you, and all the world. Take it. Take it to them. Don't overcomplicate it. Tell them the truth. No wonder that one line in Christ's Object Lessons is to remind us to the closing day of of this battle. The last rays of merciful light The last message of mercy to be given to the world is a revelation of God's character of love. The last message. You're a part of that last message mission. Should you choose to accept it, you have one sentence to take to the world. You go to social media right now. I can't believe this. You know what I learned today? That all truth, universal truth, is summarized in this sentence. The maker of all things loves and wants me. Post it. Send it out. Be a missionary. He sent you. That's the truth. Wow. The maker of all things loves and wants me. I want to commit. I want to commit to this truth. I want to take it to the world. And I know you do too. Your world. Connect card. It's online. It's a little electronic uh, piece. You can do it in your phone right now. pmchurch.org slash connect. I want you to see the three options today. There are three options. Go to that. pmchurch.org. It's on the screen. Slash connect. You're looking for this. My next step today is, well, I want to share the truth. The maker of all things loves and wants me. There you got the sentence in writing now. But I want to share it. I want, I, 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 want, I want to pass it on. Come on, you can pass it on. You can have it done before the day. You can keep passing it on for the rest of your life. That's what I plan to do. Number two, I would like to read that classic on the life of Jesus, Desire of Ages. I'm reading a chapter every Friday. Oh, man, I had a great chapter just uh, yesterday. Peace Be Still is the title of that chapter. Wow. It's the greatest book, in my humble opinion, outside of Scripture. You want a copy of that book? We'll send an e-copy to you. Send a link to you. 
Just put a check mark there. Make sure we have your email address. And finally, I would like to surrender my life to my Maker and be baptized into Christ. Because if the Maker of all things loves and wants me, I'm giving my life to Him. If He's the closest person in the universe to me, I'm giving my life to Him. You're a girl, you're a boy, it doesn't matter. Give your life. You're an aged man, an aged woman, it doesn't matter. Give your life to the one who loves you more than any other person in this universe. The maker of all things loves and wants me. Is that good news to you? No, I'm serious. Is that good news to you? Come on, come on. We got to talk to him together. Stand to your feet, please. Stand right now. And let's talk to him together. Let's talk to him right now. Maker of all things. Lord Jesus. Unbelievable. Could the news be this good and so simple? The maker of all things loves and wants me. We've seen it again and again in the storylines. It's throughout scripture. Oh, forgive us for overcomplicating universal truth. Set our hearts free with a realization that closer than father, mother, brother, sister, friend, lover, there's someone who longs to share the journey with us. There's a young man here, or not so young, that needs to make that decision with you, Jesus. Right now, speak to him. Say, I'm talking to you, boy. I want you to give your life to me. You'll find that with me, what looked impossible becomes possible. Stay with me. The best is yet to come. There's a young woman here. She knows what it feels like to be abandoned. Human love let her down. Oh, Jesus, step into that space and put your arms around that heart and whisper, the maker of all things loves and wants you. Come with me. We'll write the next chapter together. Father, please don't let us forget the truth as it is in Jesus. Let all the people say, Amen and Amen. 